0: Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter two. I also do want to mention one more thing. Tomorrow night, everybody say tomorrow night. so we'll make sure you're here. with we'll me. tomorrow night. Uh, we go for the planning board yet again. How uh, And this time we can invite you. Uh, so if the planning board meeting starts at seven uh, at, at uh, town hall. Uh, We'd love to have you come, pray, and if they uh, table it again, um, hold Dylan back. Okay, um, but. Um, <laughs> No, at least we should be uh, all forward. Things are moving. God's moving in that in a big way, and uh, we can't wait to celebrate um, what God's doing with all of that. So uh, that's tomorrow night. So uh, we will invite you. We'll try to give you information about that on on the Facebook as well, or just ask me or Dylan before you get out of here today. We'll give you more info on that. Um, but tomorrow night, seven o'clock. So uh, I had somebody tell me, speaking of, have you ever wondered how you got somewhere? I had somebody tell me years ago, and I don't know I've shared this before, um, so some of you are going to, uh, this is going to sound familiar, but um, uh, when I first started out in ministry, I had um, one, of, one of the more seasoned guys come up to me that was in my ministry, was a part of my ministry, and he looked at me one day and he said, Travis, I just don't ever want you to forget that if you're a turtle on a stump, you didn't get there by yourself. Right? I mean, think about that for a second. If you're a turtle on a stump, you don't get on a stump as a turtle by yourself, right? And, and so it's interesting, uh, as you think about that, and as we turn our attention back to Galatians, what Paul is doing here with the church at Galatia is he's trying to write the beliefs, right? He's trying to write the story um, from the false teachers that are uh, trying to wrong the story, trying to take the folks um, down a different path. So I'm going to read chapter 2, verses 11 through 21 with you this morning, and then we're going to talk about it. Sound good? If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Verse 15, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believe in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law No one will be justified. Now let's pause right there before we keep going. Okay, I want to explain this word justified. Okay, who can tell me what justified means in two or three words? Make right, right? Declare righteous, right? Made right with God. And so what, what Paul is talking about by being justified through faith, justified by faith and not works of the law was simply that this salvation that the church is claiming, this salvation that the church is preaching, right? This this savior that they're bringing, right? He is the one that declares righteous. He is the one that makes right with God. It's not something that any one of you can do in your own strength. God declares righteous. He justifies. Okay, and so I, I think the. The true definition is that when we're justified by faith, we are made right with God. Not because of anything we've done. Not because of our resume or our reputation. Right? Not what we bring to the table. All because God. John 3.16. Love us so much. They said, as one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so that's the, the justified word. That's the, that's the meaning of what Paul is getting at here. Let's, let's finish up. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. What we've just read, and what Paul is defending, and what we've been spending the last three weeks kind of setting up here, right, is the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I teased you last week that we were going to have a definition of this word, the gospel, right? Because I think it's easy for us that have been around the church for a little while, right, to throw around terms like justification, gospel, baptism, you know, pastor, um, um, you know, all these all these different words that we just think, you know, everybody knows the term, right? But in a room of... Um, We'll use pastor numbers in a room of fifteen in a room of fifteen hundred people, like we have right here. Okay, right, Uh, and 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 there's probably fifteen hundred different definitions of the gospel. There's probably fifteen hundred different definitions of what a pastor is, of who a pastor should be, right, and the expectations therein of what church is. Right, when we do base camp, we're about to have. In about a month or so, we're to our base camp every Tuesday night in the month of November, right? And base camp is just essentially, let's get back to basics, right? And let's look at these things. We start out base camp with the question, what is the church? And we talk about it, we all define it, and then we realize that we're all not wrong, but it's just not complete. And so let's look at the gospel, because if we look at the gospel, we can say the good news of Jesus. Well, what does that mean? What does that encapsulate? I'm glad you asked Steve. The gospel is the good news that Jesus did what? Died. Right? The good news that Jesus died. Why? Because let's pause right there. How is that good news that someone died? Right? Here's the deal. We've got to remember that before Jesus died, we had no right to have access to God. We have no right. We have no right. Okay? We're, we, okay, let's keep on. The good news is that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. So he died for us, for our sins, because there was a debt that we can't pay, that we couldn't pay, right? And so the gospel is the good news is that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead, which is important, so that through faith in him, we can be made right with God and enjoy life with him forever. Okay, now, there's a couple things I want to I address with this definition. Okay, y'all good? Alright, good, 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 good. Okay, so, for our sins rose from the dead. That's huge. Why did he rise from the dead? He says it in John 14. If you look at John 14, we're not going we not have time to turn there, because we're already going to be hard-pressed to make it to the Patriots game at 820. <laughs> some of y'all just got real nervous. We got some new families in the room. Y'all don't know my dominant language, yeah. You'll have plenty of time to grab some food. It's okay. All right. So John fourteen, we don't have time. We don't have time to turn there. But Jesus says in John fourteen, behold, I go to prepare a place for you, right? And so Jesus rose from the dead to appear to reveal himself to the disciples, about one hundred and forty people, before he ascended into heaven. Before he goes and prepares a place for us, why? So that the whole point, the whole point. So that we might live with him forever. Right? You see that here in the definition. So that through faith in him, in Christ, in Jesus, not Travis, not Dylan, not Summit, but in Jesus, we can be made right with God. What a beautiful picture. That we can be made right with God. We're the turtle. We're trying to get on the stuff. We can't get there by ourselves, but God, through Jesus Christ, makes us right with him so that we can have access to a relationship with him forever because he wants us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That's, this, this is the point, in case you haven't noticed, some of you are like, wow, he's excited. You know why I'm so excited? Because this is the point of what we preach. That's it. Like This is the point of gathering that we can remind ourselves that it's not about what we involve ourselves in six and a half days of the week, right? It's not about our jobs. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's about God and the fact that he loves you so much that he, go back to the definition, bro. What are you doing? Um, Right? Leave it up there, bro. Okay, so that that, that we can live with him eternally. It's the beauty of all of this. Everything in here, it's the beauty of it. Robin I know i giving you a hard time, I love you, bro. Okay? All right. So that through faith in Him, we can be made right with God and enjoy life with Him forever. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, and some of you are ready to pounce on one of those words, and I've wrestled with it for a few weeks. Okay? And the word that you're ready to pounce on, I get it, is enjoy. Enjoy. And I went back about 10, 12, 15 different times with this definition between enjoy and live. Right? Because you could you could read it, right? We may write with God and live life with him forever. Right? Because we because we're gonna live eternally on the other side of heaven when we die. Right? And so you could change that. But I wanted the picture of God's plan for your life that is to be enjoyed. It's to be enjoyed. I mean, when you think about it, because I know some of you are in circumstances right now, right, where you've got family members, and things are on the line, and people are hospitalized, people are hurting, people are broken, I get that, and you say, you know what, I love God, I love everything about Him, I'm, 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 I'm in a relationship with Him, but I'm not enjoying life right now. I'm not enjoying life right now. We've got to define joy. Right? Because we think of James, the half-brother of Jesus in James chapter one. Count in all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds, for the testing of your faith produces endurance. And I'll promise, I believe you, I'm with you. There are some things I'm facing in my life right now that aren't very fun. They're not very joyful. Right? They're not very joyful. But God's plan for me is that I see him in the middle of the storm, and that I don't just get stuck in the storm. Right? But that I see him and his plan because God never wastes an experience. Amen? Amen. Come on now, y'all gotta stay with me. We're gonna preach this morning. We're gonna preach this morning. Okay? And so we gotta keep enjoying there, because God sent his son to the cross, raised him from the dead, brought him back into heaven, he ascended into heaven, not so that we could just live. Not so that we could just be fine. And so when we put in joy life with him forever, that's God's picture in his mind for you. Is that whatever you're walking through today, you would find the joy of him in it and through it. All the way. So, one more time. The gospel, y'all are gonna have this memorized. There's gonna be a quiz at the end of the sermon for this, okay? Y'all to read it. All right? The gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead. So that through faith in Him, we can be made right with God and enjoy life with Him forever. Okay, that's the gospel. That's the gospel that Paul is writing about here. That's the purity. That's the pure gospel. And and, and hear me. The mandate from God to the church, the mission of the body of Christ, is to protect, protect the purity of this, to guard the purity of the gospel. That each and every one of us, our main mission in the faith is to protect the purity of this for ourselves and the people around us. It's the beauty of the church. That we don't get distracted. Because think about who's Paul, who Paul is writing this to right now. Paul is writing this to the church at Galatia. Who's the person he's talking about here in the first few verses of our text today? Anybody, anybody know? Anybody want to shout it out? Peter. Peter! Good job, Henry Carson. Snaps for Henry. Okay, very good. All right, very good. But when
1: Cephas came to Antioch,
0: Peter, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, and when they came, he drew back and separated himself... Fearing the circumcision party. Okay, so so get this, get this, right? We talked about it last week. You have the circumcised, the uncircumcised, right? And there was the belief in the Old Testament law that one had access to heaven and one didn't, right? But but Paul comes on the scene, Jesus comes on the scene, dies for all, meaning all, so both parties, both camps, right? says there's a new covenant, right? So the Old Testament law is not binding anymore. And so now Peter and, 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 and Paul and all of the apostles, right? They're now preaching to all people. And, 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 and Paul says, look, my, my ministry is to the Gentiles. Right? My ministry is to the Gentiles. And so I want to preach to them that they have access to God too. Right? That Jesus loves the little children, right? They're precious in the sun, right? That, that there's no separation anymore, that God's love is for all people. You got that? For God so loved the world. Who's in the world? Everybody. Everybody. Right? Everybody. And so that's the message that, that Paul is preaching. And then he, they show up on the scene, and Peter, you can find the story in Acts 15, we referred to it last week, right? Peter's caught. Peter's caught. Because he's 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 eating with one group of people, and then the other group of people shows up and they're like, What are you doing? And he draws back. Because he's scared, right, he's fearful of the men that have now stepped in the room because Peter's eating with a group of people that they don't feel like he should be eating with because they don't have access to heaven. That's not a true gospel, right? And so now Peter's caught. I want you to think about Peter for a second. Let's think about the life of Peter. Let's think about, let's think about an hour and a half and think about the life of Peter. Okay? Peter, fisherman, right? Jesus calls him, drop your nets, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, right? Peter, Peter goes, one of the most zealous uh, disciples of all, right, always wants to be by the side of Jesus, right, Jesus in the upper room, right, fast forward like, three years, three and a half years, Peter's in the upper room with Jesus, and Jesus is like, hey, somebody's going to betray me, Peter's like, not me, you know that person, don't you, right, we all know that person in the family, where, you know, somebody's not going to eat dessert, not me, I'm in, I'm all over the dessert, you want me to eat these? The dessert first. I'll eat the dessert first. I'll, you know, I'm all, I'm all in, right? That's a bogus example, but you get the picture, okay? You can't, you can't hit a home run with every illustration, Dave. Okay, right? But you get, it. you get the picture, right? Peter's zealous, right? No, God, Jesus, there's no way, there's no way. I will not betray you. It's not going to be me. You, you can rely on me. i want to be by your side. One of you's going to deny me. Three times. No, Jesus, nobody's going to deny you. We're all in. It won't be me. It won't be me. Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny him three times. Before the rooster crow, deny him three times. Shame, shame fell all over him. He disappeared. Right? We talked about it a few weeks ago. He goes back to fishing. Goes back to what he's comfortable with. Can't handle the shame of sticking around anymore because if he's associated with Jesus, who knows what happens to him? Right? So he, he bounces and, and then and then hears that Jesus has resurrected. Jesus appears to him, makes him breakfast. Right? Do you love me, Eat my machine? Do you love me, tin machine? Right. So Jesus restores him. Beautiful. Right. So Peter's up. He's down. Now he's back up again. Right. And then you flip over to the Book of Acts when Jesus ascends into heaven. Who is the one that gives the first recorded sermon post-resurrection? Peter! Peter. And it's long. And not only is it long, but 3,000 people give their life to Jesus that day. We're having him come speak to the next revival, right? I mean, woo! Right? 3,000 people, right? Peter's knocking it out of the park. He's passionate again. He's building the church. He's growing the church. He's spreading the church, right? And the first nine chapters of Acts are all about how Peter is kicking it. And doing incredible things, and connected to God, and spreading the gospel, and people are meeting Jesus, and they're following Jesus, and they're and they're believing in the church, they're buying into the church, they're planting churches all over the place, and then Paul comes on the scene to, to minister to the Gentiles, and then Paul and Peter they're doing incredible things as well, and then you get to Acts fifteen, and now all of a sudden Peter gets distracted at a meal and and and, and starts to back up and says. Ooh, I don't want to see, I don't want them to see me associating with you. And my mind, as I read this, and maybe your mind as you read this, you're like, Peter, after everything, how could you? And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful and glad that I don't get distracted. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm able to stay focused the main thing, the main thing. Based on all the times I've seen God show up, I don't ever get stressed out, elevated, you know, passive, nothing. I'm, you know, I'm pretty, man, I can't even finish the sentence that's so bogus. <laughs> So don't forget when we when we have the temptation and we and we do it often. I mean, I mean, we get, we can get even talk about you know Peter being the first one out of the boat, right? I mean, here, here Peter is in the middle of a storm. If that's you, Jesus, call me. I'll step out of the boat. I'll come. I'll walk in the water to you, Jesus. Calls him. Peter steps out of the boat. He's walking on water. Oh, cool. Takes his eyes off. Jesus begins to sing. Have a little faith, yes, Peter. But every time we point a finger at Peter, there's three. Peter, how could you? Peter, how could you? And so, Peter, the same one that carried the gospel after the resurrection of Jesus, preached the message where he heard different tongues, the Holy Spirit fell, 3,000 people, that same Peter is now refusing to eat with the Gentiles because of this group of false teachers convincing him that they needed to do something in order to be able to come to the table. Unwilling to eat with a group of people, because the false teachers convincing him that they needed to do something in order to be able to come to the table. It goes back to the whole point of this series that we're in. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus. And we have this temptation, because I've got a question for you. Okay, i want to see a show of hands, and I want you to look around, okay? It's a safe place. Right? We're going to be honest with each other for a minute. How many of you have preferences? Okay? You've got some preferences about some things. Okay? You prefer a certain type of ice cream. Right? You prefer a certain type of movie. You prefer a certain type of you know, music. You prefer a certain type of preacher. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay? you, prefer, you, you, you prefer some things. You prefer uh, people to, to drive the speed limit. Right, um, especially in the fall when they're you know looking at foliage and they need to be off the road. Bless their hearts. Okay, but, uh, you prefer certain things? We all prefer things. Well, this group of false believers, right? This, these false teachers, right? They preferred to 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 profit. off of of these people and trying to get them to buy into and to believe that it's not just Jesus, that that's not enough. That we can't forget all of these other things, all of these other laws, all of these other preferences. And so it's got to be Jesus plus. It can't just be Jesus. It can't. And can I tell you something today, before we keep going, spoiler alert, this is where we're going towards the end of the message, we are still doing it. There is this temptation based on our preferences what we prefer and the picture that we have in our minds about church and what it should be and where it should be and how it should be run and how long the service should be. We have this picture and so we like to put things in a box. We like to put the church in a box. We like to put other people in a box and say, listen, we'd love to have We want you, right? Come in the doors. Come in the doors in the first few weeks. It's all good in the hood. Like, just come in the doors. Come check things out. But then, then it starts to leak. Hey, you know what? Um, If you're coming through the doors, uh, you've got to bring the coffee, too. Right? If you're coming through the doors, you've got to dress a certain way. If you're coming through the doors, we love you. We want you. But you might want to think about blank. Whatever that looks like. Right? Whatever that looks like. And, and the church, for remember, 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 the mandate from God is that the church protects the purity of the gospel, that this thing doesn't get tainted, that it's not Jesus and it is just Jesus. And so hear me church, I have preferences, we're going to talk about that more in just a minute, I have preferences, but God forgive me and you hold me accountable if I ever hold you to Jesus plus my preferences. Because this whole thing crumbles if we make it about that. This whole thing crumbles if we allow anything plus Jesus to creep in the doors. That's why denominations are dying. I did not plan on saying that. (laughs) Man. I apologize to everyone that just uh, yeah but it's true so maybe I shouldn't apologize because what are denominations built on? Preferences. we prefer a, a certain translation of scripture we prefer a certain set of songs we prefer a certain gender in the pulpit we prefer this. We prefer that. And I'm not saying that all of those are wrong. But they're not the point. And whenever we make those higher and of more value than the point, we get in trouble. Okay, I'm at my closing and we've missed a couple big things, so we gotta step back for just a minute. Okay, we gotta step back for just a minute. Okay. So Paul comes to Peter and says, how did you mess this up after everything? After walking on water, after you denying Jesus three times, and him restoring you, and him making all that right, and him entrusting you with the gospel. in Acts 2, and, and you seeing 3,000 people come and speaking in languages that nobody understood, and all these different things that you've seen. You know, jail doors being opened for you because you prayed. Like, all of these things that you see, Peter, Paul goes to and he's like, I can just picture it. How could you get this wrong? Right? How could you get this wrong? Because of his fear. I mean, I mean he, it, it, Paul literally documents it here in the text, that um, verse 12, fearing the circumcision party, the fear of man. What did Paul talk about in chapter 1? Because of the fear of man... The purity of the gospel is not being protected. Our job, once again, is to protect the purity of the gospel. Other beliefs, other gospels will sneak into the church. You know how you can tell? You know how you can tell? This is fun. This is fun. You know how you can tell when when other gospels are sneaking into the church? Because there's chaos and confusion in the church. That's how you can tell. There is chaos and confusion in the church. And I told the guys I went to breakfast yesterday, I told the guys I went to breakfast yesterday, I said, man, uh, I, I am, I didn't plan on saying this either. I am, uh, I'm getting tired of, of hearing other people talk about how not in the church. I'm tired of hearing community people and people that don't know Christ and people that don't know what we're doing talking about how confusing and chaotic the church seems to them. So what are we doing? We've got to get back as the whole body of Christ, the entire body of Christ, all of us, to protecting the purity of God's word, the gospel, the truth of Jesus, that he died, he rose again, to offer eternity to all people, not just us. So I have a question for you. Because Peter is being called out here, can we all agree? This means yes, this means no. Can we all agree Peter's being called out here? Yeah, Peter's being called out here, right? He's getting called out here by Paul. Here's my question for you. How do you respond when someone calls you out? Oh, somebody just Very oh. okay. graciously. Very graciously. Don't lie in church. <laughs> the throat clear gave you away. OK. How do you respond when somebody calls you out? Who, who just says, oh, you know what? Thank you. I'm sure that was hard for you to do. Thank you so much for calling me out. I'm going to take that. I'm going to receive that. I'm going to pray through that. I'm going to talk to some other people about that. Thank you so much. I needed that. Right? I needed that. Anybody ever responded that way? Because if you have, we need you to teach class. Right there. There you go. Okay. Well, let's look at um, some other passages of Scripture that some of us would probably rather not hear or think about. What well, we got to go to Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, a lot like he's writing to the church of Galatia here. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Leave that out, Paul, for the love. Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the body of peace. How do you respond when you get called out? Patient, humility, and gentleness, bearing with one another in love. I see, see, mm-hmm. okay, keep going, keep going, keep going, stay focused. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. And why is that so important? Like I want, I want to focus in on that eager to maintain the unity and the spirit of the bond of peace because I want, I want to focus on couple things. First of all, peace is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of Jesus. So when you're eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, you're keeping Jesus at the center, right? You're keeping Jesus at the center when you're eager to maintain peace, right? You're keeping Jesus at the center, which is hugely important, right? But eager to maintain the unity, why is that so important? Because that's what Jesus prayed for in the church. When Jesus prayed in John 17 on his way to the cross, he prayed that the church would be one as he and the Father are one, and so Jesus prayed that no matter what happened, no matter what came, if there was ever a pandemic where where people were sitting on different sides—not that that's ever happened before, right—but where people are sitting on different sides on different things like masks and vaccinations and all these things—that the church would stay unified through it all. That we would be eager to maintain the unity and the bond of peace, eager to maintain the unity. The bond of peace. Also, get another. Uh, y'all having fun yet? James four six. Have of Jesus, but He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's the second time, second verse in a row that humility has come up, right? And so, humility is. It's not thinking of yourself less, is thinking, is not thinking of uh, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Right? An accurate view of myself directly related to a high view of God. Let me throw another definition of humility in by in, in, by the way of a question. What if I'm wrong? Right? Like 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 walking into a situation, walking into a conversation with someone, right? And and I, and I do this sometimes almost to a fault. Like Some of the people that walk closely with me probably wish that I didn't do this as much as I do this. But I walk into tough conversations with the thought process that what if I'm wrong? Like is this? Does this? Is this something that I'm willing to fight for eternity about? Like is this something that I'm willing to disagree on and say this is Bible, this is firm, this is hard, or is this something where even if I'm wrong, I'm going to get to heaven and say, yeah, and say, God, I've probably got that wrong, and He might look at me and I was like, yeah, you got that flat wrong, but hey, come on in, eat, you're good, right? But God gives grace to the humble. Uh, How about one more? Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. But God, have you seen that? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. (sighs) But live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. But associated with the Lord. Never be wise in your own sight. Never be wise in your own sight. So, how do you respond when someone calls you out? So, I want to ask you two questions. When it comes to this, but before I do, I want to go back to verse seventeen. But if our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For though the law I died to, for, excuse me. For though, uh, first nineteen. For though for through the law, thank you, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the wall, then Christ died for my purpose. Two questions I want you to ask yourself. Each and every one of us. The first one is this. Have I added anything to the gospel for myself? Have I added anything to the gospel for myself? Because I'm a firm believer that if you are sitting in this room and you're anything like me, you are your worst enemy. And the shame of yesterday, you will carry with you today, tomorrow, and the next day. If you're not walking in the gospel. Because if I'm walking in the gospel, and that's why we have to add that in there, right? If I'm walking in the gospel, then I'm walking in the freedom that Christ died for the shame of yesterday. That he died for it. That that is on the cross. That I don't have to carry the shame of yesterday. What I said, what I did, how it made somebody feel. And so I've got to walk in the freedom of the gospel. And so if I'm shaming myself, then I'm adding something to the gospel. Because there's not freedom. If I'm holding myself to an expectation that is higher than that of which God holds me to, then I'm adding something to the gospel. Number two, second question I want you to ask yourself. Have I added anything to the gospel for someone else? I added anything to the gospel for someone else. Now, I want to throw a picture of a cross up here because Paul says, For I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I want to try to illustrate what that looks like. And I wanted, just so you know, just so you know, I want to explain myself for a second because I want you to imagine I've got a hammer. Okay? Now, there's a lot of people that watch our services and if they see me have a hammer in school, it could have been considered as a weapon. And I got to shut down in here, so that's why I don't have a real hammer in my hand. I thought about even bringing a toy one, but on camera, it could have looked like a real one, so I didn't want to. I'm just trying to, you know, stay above even the threat, right, right? Even the appearance of, right? Got it? Good. So I've got a hammer. It's invisible, but I got a hammer. Have I added anything to the gospel for someone else? This is where your preferences come in. For I've been crucified with Christ, Paul says. It's no longer I who live, but Christ. Who lives in me? So my preferences: dress code. I gotta take it. I gotta nail it to the cross. Bible translation. I gotta take it. I gotta nail it to the cross. What's another one? Preferences. Sermon length. I gotta take it. I gotta nail it to the cross. Music. Music. I gotta take it. I gotta nail it to the cross. Denominations. Denominations. I gotta that just to get me back for earlier. I gotta take it. I gotta nail it to the cross. Culture. I gotta take it. I gotta nail it to the cross. Masks. I gotta take it. I gotta nail it to the cross. Vaccinations. I gotta take it. I gotta nail it to the cross. How how someone else spends their money. I gotta take it. I gotta nail it to the cross all of these things that you may like to control for them, but you're not God. Right? Like, like, we're asking this question right now as parents, because we have a 13-year-old. What am I allowed to control and mandate, and what is part of them being 13? Exhausting! <laughs> and I have my preferences that I got to know the cross. Because I and I, as a child of God, have been crucified with Christ, cross, right, don't, don't, don't get right up. right, don't miss the picture, I've been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And so I can, I can have those preferences, right, but if I rule them over someone else, I'm to if I'm expecting those of someone else, I'm adding to the gospel. I'm adding to the gospel. I'm adding to the good news that Jesus died for all, rose again, so that we all might have eternal life and enjoy life with Him forever. So if I've been crucified with Christ, no longer I, I live, but Christ is in me, I've got work to do. If I look across the aisle and it says, great, they're part of the church, they say they love Jesus, but nope, you're adding to the gospel. So, what's important for us to remember? These are going to be quick because we've already talked about most of them. Number one, Jesus saves, not us. Paul brings them back to the point for I've been crucified with Christ is no one I live, but Christ who lives in me. He talks earlier about how Jesus, if we're justified by faith, right? That's God's doing, that's his doing. Jesus saved through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Number two, we can't earn. We can't earn. We can't earn by serving. By, by, by showing up enough, Sundays, we can't earn it. I want you to think about this. I want to I illustrate this for just a second. We can't earn it. I want you to think about the thief on the cross. Think about the thief on the cross. Right? Who's hanging next to Jesus, and Jesus looks at him and says, You will today, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Right? He gets to heaven. A few hours later, walking in the gates, the angel looks down at him and says, Who are you? Uh, I'm one of the guys that was right next to Jesus. Yeah, but um, you're not baptized. Uh, record shows here that um, you never attended even a Christmas or Easter service. Yes. <laughs> Hang on, i got to be my supervisor. Right, the supervisor. My supervisor comes back. What's the issue? Well, look, no issue, but the guy in the middle cross Told me he'd see me today in paradise. Okay, well what about the doctrine of salvation? It doesn't matter. The guy in the middle cross said, today I be with him forever in paradise. That affects some things, doesn't it? What's important? Jesus. None of those things are wrong. We can go, we can sit at a coffee shop, we can can have fun debates about anything you want. I'll enter into those conversations as long as we emphasize fun debate, okay? Nobody's going to heaven, nobody's going to hell at the end of the conversation, right? We're just, we can sit, we can talk about these things, we can wrestle these things out. I can sit that fun, I find that fun. A lot of people get frustrated with my simplistic view of the gospel because I'm always gonna go back to Jesus. Well, we can do that. But just remember, we can't earn it. The thief on the cross is a beautiful example of that. Number three, we put our faith in Jesus. The guy in the middle of the cross said so I could be here. Number four, we nail our shame to the cross. Have I added anything to the gospel for myself? Got to nail it up there. That thing you did 10 years ago that you can't forgive yourself for, it's got to it's go there. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's got to go there. It's got to go there. There, there are times I'm driving along where I think, "Man, why did you do that nine and a half years ago? If you hadn't done that, you would have saved yourself so much heartache." And I will beat myself up for the rest of the day about that. And then I wake up the next morning, and and when I have a moment of clarity, and I'm like, "Jesus died for that too. You wasted so many hours." Stressing about that made you grumpy towards everybody, the referee that you keep caught that. Anyway, right? We nail our shame to the cross, all the things that we add to the gospel for ourselves. And then lastly, we nail our preferences to the cross. All the ways that we add to the gospel for others. So I'm going to remind you of the definition of the gospel one more time. And then we're going to close, I promise. We nail our preferences to the cross. The gospel is the good news. The good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead so that through him, through faith in him, we can be made right with God and enjoy life forever. How do you respond when someone calls you up? Have I added anything to the gospel for me? Have I added anything to the gospel? Have I added anything to the gospel for others? Because my job... Because okay, what would it look like if each and every one of us said this this morning? My job, my job, our job is to protect the purity of God's work. the gospel, to protect the purity of God's work, to protect the purity of the message of Jesus that He saves alone. That He saves alone, and you know the implication of that for each and every one of us, because we talk about it often. That means I am set free to love, to love, to love. I got one of the biggest compliments paid to me this morning. Can I tell a story? I'm bragging, uh, but not really. Let me just tell the story here. Okay. Because this is like my dream. I ref the basketball game at 8 a.m. because that's what you do before Sunday morning church. You go ref the basketball I mean, not ref, coach. I'll never ref. <laughs> I know my boundaries, right? I wouldn't be good for me or the people. Um, coach the basketball game at 8, we lost. We, we were in the game at the tip off, and that was it. It was three to one for like two minutes. I think we lost like 49-11, okay? So it was close, okay? And at the end of the game, I tried to go around to the parents of the girls on the team and say, hey, I don't know if you know this, I'm a pastor, so that game at 10 a.m., I'm not gonna be at. This other coach, he's gonna be coaching for me. It's great to see you, have a great week. And one of the guys looked up at me and was like, yeah, I was just talking to somebody else, and they said, you're a pastor. That's why you're so nice. <laughs> Short. We've known each other two weeks. Just wait, pal. <laughs> May the gospel dictate how people see us. So I've gotten fooled for now. May the gospel dictate how we <laughs> respond. In hard situations, in the middle of pandemics, during boats, and even things that we don't quite understand, and the gospel, the good news of Jesus dictate how we respond. Nothing else. Not adding to for me or anyone else. Come on, worship. And so God, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so I'm thankful for the reminders that God, I am not who I say I am. And God, I'm thankful for the reminder. That I am not who the people in this river say I am. God, I am who you say I am. And you call me beloved. You call me son. You call me forgiven. You call me free. You call me loved. You call me victorious. God for that. And God I pray for a focus for all of us on the purity of that. That God your voice would be louder than all the other voices in our world. That your voice would be louder than all of the other voices in our minds and hearts. That God we protect as your body, as your church, purity of why you sent your son to this one. And so God, I pray for a renewed vision, a renewed focus, a renewed passion for the church of Jesus at Summit and beyond around that. In Jesus' name I pray.